a proper coffee shop couldn't survive here. Like there's not enough people. <laughs> there's not enough coffees that are going to be sold to be open seven days a week, five days a week, probably not even two days a week. But the one day a week seems sufficient, especially when it's paired with other activities. So it becomes a, a thing. It becomes an event, not just I'm going to get a coffee. On Route 113 in Vershire is the historic Church Ore House, where locals stop by on Saturday mornings for coffee and conversation. It's also a place where people can visit the building's private children's library or shop for local crafts and handmade gifts at the Maiden Vershire store. The Church Ore House was donated to a local organization called Vershire in 1998. For Share is a nonprofit that brings people together in town with local events and programming, including summer camps and the annual snowshoeathon. After moving to Vershire with his wife in 2020, Justin Willow wanted to find ways to meet people in town and contribute to the community. He joined the Vershire board and looked for ways to help others. Justin, who grew up in the Midwest and has served in the Navy for about 16 years, decided to start a coffee bar on Saturday mornings and a beer exchange on Thursday nights at the church or house. On a wintry Saturday morning during a busy coffee bar event, I met up with Justin to talk about the importance of getting involved and finding a place like Vershire to call home. Here's Justin. I'm not sure I will ever be a real Vermonter, you know, like it's not going to happen. And I don't think people will give me that distinction, even if I wanted it. But you know, my daughter was born here. And I think now, no matter what, this time living here has had a, an impact on me, like on my soul. And I think that will always be a part of me. And even if I were to, to leave Vermont tomorrow because something happened and I never came back, like it always it'd always be a part of me. And I think I would spend the rest of my life looking for something like for sure. Whether or not I'd be successful would be another another thing. I grew up in Villa Park. It's a small suburb outside of Chicago, like real typical suburban 90s lifestyle. You know, we lived, there's like, you know, maybe 20 houses on the block. All the blocks are grids. You know, we had a small ranch house and I was there up until about halfway through high school. And, you know, I lived the suburban life, you know, played pickup baseball at the park nearby and, you know, went and saw bands play and stuff like that. And then uh, I had this cool shift in my life where I had an opportunity to change high schools. And I went and lived with my dad in Michigan, which it's still the Midwest, like it wasn't a different place, but it was a lot more rural. And we lived with my grandma and we were like outside of town in a double wide. And it was just a totally different experience than a Chicago suburb. And I had this vision that I was going to walk in as this like cool city guy. And I wasn't a cool city guy, but you know, I thought I could be, but I was still able to reinvent myself. And one of the things I did was to start programming music shows. Like I would plan my own, I couldn't play instruments for to save my life, but I would like the idea of programming them. And so that was sort of when my event planning career began, as it were. And ever since then, I've done whatever my interest was and did an event around it. In the interim, I mean, I joined the Navy, I was on submarines, I left active duty, I went and worked at Tesla for a little bit. I went and did a master's degree in coffee science and economics in Italy and sort of tried to find myself and probably haven't yet. I think I've anything I've learned, I just like a lot of different things and just kind of going from there. Yeah. What made you join the Navy? I think 
like a lot of people that joined the Navy, I think I had some sort of sense of duty. I think everyone comes to it from a different angle. Like I didn't have parents that were big into the service. My dad was drafted in Vietnam, but served for, you know, six months or three months, whatever it was. And when I was looking at colleges, I had started looking at the academy and I was like, oh, well, if I was going to join a branch, maybe I would join the Navy because then I would be by the water. I would do some cool activities. I didn't want to be stuck in, you know, the middle of the U.S. Like I wanted to get out and see things. And the Navy is to this day, probably the best way to do that in the military because the ships go places. So I didn't end up going to the academy, though. I I didn't want to commit that hard before I even went to college. So I did a, a degree completion program where I went to a small liberal arts school in Michigan and after I graduated, I went and did like officer boot camp and then commissioned. So I got to be a, a proper like civilian college kid and then become, you know, a Navy cog in the machine after that. Right. So you've lived in all different places. Yeah. Tell me some places you've lived. Generally speaking, I think my life trajectory has been eastward. So I was actually born in California where I was only there for, you know, my first two years of life, which I obviously don't remember. But then we came back to Chicago and then I went to Michigan and then I went down to Georgia for Navy schooling and then up to Connecticut and then Boston and then Vermont after that, but with a little interim period there in Germany for a couple of years. But we've, li- I, to be fair, I've lived in Europe a couple of times now. I was studied abroad in Spain. We lived in France for a little bit. I had that master's program in Italy and we've traveled quite a bit as well. So, And were you in Africa before you moved to Vermont? We have never lived in Africa. We, I've, we visited several times. My wife does conflict management work, so she's gainfully employed in Africa on a regular basis. Just before we came to Vermont, we were in Rwanda. She was working there for a long stretch. It was probably three to six months. I don't remember. And then, yeah, I was down there visiting on a regular basis from Germany. So like flying from Germany to Rwanda is a little bit easier than from here. You moved to Vershire in 2020. We bought the house. We started buying the house in 2018. We closed in 2019. Our original plan was to to buy the house as an investment and rent it on Airbnb, which was already being done. And we kind of bought it on a whim. We were, we, I had a friend from grad school who was from Thetford down the road and he's an architect and he built this house and we had come to visit him and we loved it. And when he went to sell it, we jumped on the opportunity. Versher was like, this just like enchanted place. We'd only been to a couple of times and it is still really, but we just, we didn't understand it. And in the, just the best way possible. So when we were in Africa right before COVID, I was doing a coffee excursion in Ethiopia. My wife was working in Ghana and COVID came and we're like, what do we do? Like we, at that point, we weren't living anywhere. We were like on a sabbatical. We're like traveling around, not even in the same country, although we were on the same continent. And we just like scrambled our things and flew back to Vermont. It was the only property we owned. And I had finished all of my Navy stuff in Germany and we had left all our stuff there and it's still there to this day in storage in someone's cellar. And we came to Vermont and we only had the clothes we had with us in Ethiopia and Ghana. So it was all summer clothes. And we arrive in March in Vermont and we were ill-dressed for the weather, but it was amazing. The, the contrast between leaving the areas we were in, in Africa, where it's just a really dry climate and I mean, I was in Ethiopia and the elevations were crazy high. And then you arrive in Vermont and there's just like flowing rivers because the snow was melting. Everything's, it's not quite green yet, but it's certainly greener than it was where I was in Ethiopia. So we came back to the house. It was furnished because we were renting it up until that point. And we just sort of moved in and we've 
made it our home since then. You said before that you, you were sort of enchanted in a way about for sure, and you don't know exactly why. Can you elaborate on that? Like, what was it about this town that kind of drew you? Uh, I think part of it, and it's, it remains one of my favorite parts, it's just really hard to get to. Like, it's not somewhere you stumble into. It's, we live on a dirt road. I think there's probably 10 miles of dirt road before you even get to our house. Some parts of the year, it can be inaccessible, especially if you don't have the right car. There was always this like element of survival to get here. But then once you're here, the house, the architect did a fantastic job of making the house feel really safe and insulated and warm and like, once you're there, it's he called it the fortress, and we continue to use that name for it because it's really what it feels like. Like once you get to the top of this hill and you have a nice view and a warm place to sit down, the rest of the world just sort of like melts away. That's just special. And we've traveled a lot of places, and that's not easy to find. And yeah, I made the the joke about being in Michigan for high school, where it was a little bit more rural. But like, I didn't realize what rural was till I got here, and like we're traveling 30, 40 minutes to do the most basic of errands. You run out of milk on a Sunday evening, like you're you're making a track all the way down the White River or you're not drinking any milk. And if you have a kid, as we did during COVID, that's not really an option. So you, have, you just have to go. When you moved here, you know, this is a small town, populations, what, 600? 672 in the last census, yeah. So you got involved. You went out. I think you told me, were you bailing hay? Is that <laughs> I, right? I have bailed hay. I think Vermont has a bit of a nativist streak, and I think most Vermonters realize that. And I, having visited a lot of places around the world that do have some nativism, I think it's really important to get out there and volunteer as much as possible to try and ingratiate yourself with the community. And it turned out bailing hay bought me some friends here. I had never done it before, naturally, Chicago suburban boy. And, you know, I got out there and did it with everybody else. And I think that helped. And I, I mean, I learned a lot about what it's like to be here, to to work the lands and to do things together. Like a lot, a lot of the, the other word that comes to my mind when I think about rural Vermont is scale. Like you got to make sure that all your activities are scaled appropriately to the number of people that are here. And farm work is very labor intensive and you just can't do it by yourself. So you can only do it at scale with the help of your neighbors. And the idea that there are like regular activities like a harvest that you need to come together for, it's just something that doesn't really to me exist in other places that aren't still agricultural. Like in cities, I, you have regularly scheduled events and things people things people do together, but it's just not dependent on people doing things together in the same way. How did you find people? Like, how did you find the farmer to help bale the hay or do chores? Did you just knock on someone's door? <laughs> I mean, you probably could do that. I'm sure a lot of people would take you up on an offer if you just showed up and said, hey, can I help you bail hay? But you meet people through people. And to move here during COVID was difficult for that reason. Like you don't have natural interactions. You could stay in your house and not meet anybody for years in Versure. So I started coming to to any event that was going on. If there was a, a post on the listserv, which is our local community board, similar to a front porch forum, you just, you find those things and you just go to them. You show up and introduce yourself. And most people are interested, like, oh, so this family moved in. Who are they? Where are they from? And Versher has been very welcoming. Like every time I would show up at an event and someone would come up and introduce themselves and welcome me to the town. And I've been here a few years now, so, so hopefully that's me doing that. I try to. And the people that I met really made a difference. Ethel Pike is someone that, 
was super gracious when we got here and was just the nicest and inviting person. And she passed a year or so ago and it was a, a real wreck for the town, but she was so instrumental in setting up this organization, Vershare, that we're at and really driving that schedule to build community through that organization. So I really credit her a lot for getting our family involved and like pulling us in in a number of ways. It's nice to have someone like that when you arrive at a place. So tell me a little bit about Vershare, what the organization does. Vershare, it's an organization that was set up in 1998 to help the community. It's It serves in a number of ways. It, it provides, uh, it manages the food shelf. It does work on economic development. It helps with youth opportunities like summer camp. We have a small kids library and the idea is to have events and places, create spaces where the community can come together and support each other. Because in a town of 670 people, you don't have a critical mass of people to do a lot of activities. So when you do do an activity, you really have to have some coordination to make sure everyone's involved and it's done exclusively through volunteership. We can't, we don't have enough economic wealth to really pay someone to manage some sort of social calendar in the town. So it's done by the ideas and the, the motivations of the people that are willing to volunteer. So Vershare is that hub. So we're sitting in the church or house on Route 113, and this building was donated to Vershare in the late 90s. So the events that you, you were instrumental in starting, the Saturday morning coffee bar and the mug night on Thursday night. So tell me how that all came to be. Sure. The uh, church or house, as you mentioned, uh, is our building with Ver that Vershare owns, and it was donated, and it's a huge force multiplier for us because not all like community development organizations have a space that they control that they can use to host events, and people like myself walk in with ideas, and there's somewhere we can try them out. So when I was starting to meet people, I was trying to find ways that I could use my skills, particularly with coffee, to meet more of the community and give more create more spaces for the community to come together. And the church or house went through quite a change during COVID. It was used for a number of social activities. The library was open. They had a bunch of children's events and then it all just dried up. So coming out of COVID, we needed some ideas to get things going again. All that inertia had evaporated. So I offered to do a Saturday coffee bar, which is that overlaps the same time that the shop was open and the library is open. So it became this weekly space where these three simultaneous activities are happening in a way that families can come, the kids can play in the library, uh, parents can shop in the Made Inversure shop, and everyone can sit around and have coffee and, and hang out. And it's been successful for that. It's really brought in a number of old residents and new residents. I don't mean old as an age. I mean, people who have been here a long time. Because, I mean, in short, like if you wanted a latte, the closest you'd have to, to go is... I think probably West Leb. And that's a long way to go for a coffee. And it's also trash day. So everyone's going to the dump with their trash and it's, you know, half a mile down the road. So they drop off their trash and then they come in and hang out or vice versa, because we also sell the punch cards for the trash dump. So you can come here, pick up your trash stickers or punch cards and then go to the dump. So it creates this like ecosystem of Saturday morning activities. And that was, that's been really helpful in, at least having some recurring events in town. We also do a lot of like seasonal events, like harvest festivals, stuff like that. And not just Vershare, but the, the town is also uh, running events like that. But it really helps to have something recurring that you can always expect. Uh, and that's the Saturday morning coffee. For the same reason, I started the Thursday night 
mug club, or I often call it a beer exchange because it's a BYOB event. The idea is there's also not a bar or a pub anywhere within a reasonable driving distance of here. You know, if millennials like myself are moving here, we do like that option. So one way to sort of cater to that, again, I sort of probably built these things out of my own wish for them to exist. So it's a BYOB event. People bring beer and we just hang out. And some of the most random people have just showed up with some beer, you know, you know, nothing. It doesn't have to be fancy. Like some people bring cider. You can have your Coors Light or you can have some of the awesome craft brews from Vermont or I mean, New Hampshire's also got some too, which might be heresy to say, but some of my favorites are there. It's just a, an opportunity to, you can talk about the beers you're exchanging or, or whatever you want. And we've invited some guests to come, like our, our local rep, Carl Demro came for one. And it's just, sometimes we talk about, you know, political stuff. Sometimes it's taxes. Sometimes it's the schools. It's often the schools. That's just a hot topic right now. And it's been really fun for people to know each other and for those who have moved to town in the last six months. Like this is an essential way for them to meet their peers. And, you know, I make sure I post on all the, the listservs and the front porch forums and whatnot so those people can find us. My favorite part about both events is that you can see new ideas and new relationships forming at them. There's a couple that like met at one of our first beer exchanges. There's been several either business opportunities or local initiatives that have like come out of just the discussion at the coffee or the beer events. And I mean, this is what coffee houses used to be back in the day. You know, you would come together and you talk about ideas. And even today we've had people visiting and just talking about how oh, we, we need a trail system in Versure, we need a bridge, you know, what have you. And that stuff happens here. Like everyone's at home most of the time. I mean, to be honest, one of the things I've noticed about Vermont is everyone loves hibernating in, in the winter. And I think it's great. Like people need to reset. You just have the holidays. But if you're going to come out once a week, come to coffee and we can continue to move activities and stuff forward in town. And it's been really great for that. Like nothing stopped. Like the the momentum in the town for getting out of COVID and taking advantage of a lot of the federal money and stuff that's available now. Like a lot of that momentum is, is still going. And I think you need third spaces like a coffee shop or a pub for people to come together because it's hard to do that at home. And you're certainly not going to set up a Zoom and hang out. The once a week is kind of a sweet spot, especially for a small town. Like it's just, a, you know, every other week is, you know, not frequent enough, but every day is too much. So once a week for the coffee. Yeah, that's been the sweet spot we've found. I mean, it might be different for different communities, but personally, we started out with the twice a month for the beer night and it just got confusing about whether it was an on week or an off week. And we have enough people that, you know, even if it's like three or four person event, like that's fine. That's sufficient. That is the right scale for, for this community. And the coffee's the same way. I mean, we've pretty much done it every week for a while and a proper coffee shop couldn't survive here. Like there's not enough people, <laughs> there's not enough coffees that are going to be sold to be open seven days a week, five days a week, probably not even two days a week, but the one day a week, Seems sufficient, especially when it's paired with other activities. So it becomes a a thing. It becomes an event, not just I'm going to get a coffee. And you said earlier you have kind of this comfort zone about putting on events. Event planning in general is just something that's always made sense to me. Like if you can see an event, like the next step is really just doing it. And there's a lot of things in life that doing it is an important step, like just physically making the effort. But like, that's the whole thing with event planning. You just start planning things. And once you, if you're booking a band or you're doing a music event, you book the band, you book the venue, you know, you just, there's a few steps and you're there. Why do you like it? I think most people try to find a way 
to make an impression on the world around them. And I think I could never play instruments. I can never, I mean, I can, I, I can write all right, but I can't draw. I can't write well enough to like write a whole book. Like it always seemed to me that my gift was like coordinating a bunch of things happening at the same time. And at some point along the way, I think it was probably in high school that I realized that music events are like that. And then more broadly, that event planning is like that. And my career track has gone in a number of different ways, but I think ultimately comes back down to that skill. And that's sort of part logistics, part foresight. When I got to Versher, it just seemed like that was what I could do to be part of the community. And, you know, I think it was different for different people. Like, I mean, I wish I could play an instrument. I would just come here on Saturday mornings and, and play an instrument. And that would be amazing. And if there's anyone out there that does, that'd be awesome. But like, we just have different skills and a community is the sum of all that coming together. It's the aggregate. It So if I can create a space where I can then find other people with those skills, and I think we have through this the weekly event and the organization and there's a lot going on in town and the people in Versher come from a variety of places. I mean, we know people that have taught in the Middle East or worked with uh, USAID in Southeast Asia. There's people who are, you know, born elsewhere, like foreign born. And, you know, they all come out and they like to meet each other. And if you can plan an event, I mean, our organization used to have a Chinese New Year celebration because there was someone that really wanted to share that, their culture with everybody. And, People loved it. Like it's, but you need a space to do that. And I think my contribution is creating, they're laying the groundwork to have those spaces where those conversations happen and then those events can happen. People come to these events as a response for people who've lived here a long time. Do they accept that? Do they accept you? Not always. I mean, I think on the most part, for the most part, people are very, you know, welcoming and they love it. Every community's got people that are are going to be naysayers no matter what. And It's been a personal development story to deal with that criticism. And I'll give an example, obviously without naming names. But when I started doing the coffee, I used what I had around the house, which was a sawhorse and some scrap wood to set up my little coffee bar. Like it was not fancy. It did not look good. And like people, there were a couple of people in town that really wanted it shut down. They were like, where's your you know, health and food and safety license. And this looks terrible in front of this building. And, you know, that happens. And it was really hard for me to deal with it at the time. If it weren't for the other people that really liked the idea that I wouldn't have kept going, you know? And I think we could all be a little bit more conscientious about that from both perspectives, not to be the the naysayer who's knocking down ideas before they've even developed, but also to be the person that offers that encouragement. I mean, to stand up in a small town like this, when gossip gets around pretty quick, everyone knows who you are. And for better or worse, we got to make sure the people who have the motivation are encouraged to continue to do it. Because as I mentioned, everything here is done by volunteers. Like there's no one who is making a living by making the community better here. So it's done by volunteers and you, you do it together. In an earlier conversation we had, you talked about, you said to me, and then it really struck me, you said, Vershear, you're a good fit for Vershear because you have a desire for community and Vershear has a need for community. As I mentioned, I was in the Navy and I've moved around a lot. And this is the first time I've lived somewhere long enough where I could be part of the community. And I think it's something 
I've always wanted. Like, I think I have a vision of like, I would love to be a regular at a bar somewhere. And like, what a lame dream that is, but also awesome. And not that we have a bar, but I made a beer night for that. And to be a staple somewhere is a cool feeling for a nomadic you know, person like myself and anyone who's in the service is a nomad, you know, by default. So that happens. But coming to, to Versher, there's there's like an old guard of people that were the community builders. And as most of Vermont is experiencing, there's there's a big changeover in the demographics and younger people, millennials, Gen Xers, Gen Zers coming to the state and to Versher need to step up and fill those shoes. And I'm hoping to be one of them. I mean, I think I am one of them. And I think part of my goal through some of these events is to find my cohort and activate them as well. And I think I've been successful in that so far. Justin left for active duty in Germany shortly after we met, but the coffee bar and beer exchange are in good hands while he's away for the next several months. You can visit the coffee bar on Saturdays from 10 to 1 and the beer exchange on Thursdays from 7 to 9. For more information, visit vershare.org. Thanks for listening to Happy Vermont. I'm Erica Housekeeper. You can find more stories on my website, happyvermont.com. To help support this podcast, please join Happy Vermont's Patreon and receive stickers, apparel, and extra content. And if you have a story idea or just want to say hello, I would love that. Please send me an email at hello at happyvermont.com. Thanks so much for listening. Take care and talk to you soon. Thank you.